0: episode what the hell uh on this one it's the part two of uh what the hell uh johnny skelton and basically what we do is we talk about our military careers the difference between each and every one of them and the career field that we had and the benefits and the downside to it so if you like it comment like share you know do whatever if you want to just tell us off tell us off talk to you later people enjoy the show.
1: You know, I went home on leave for 10 days, but, and then I reported to Fort Campbell, Kentucky on December 18th of 95. And, um, coincidentally, it was, uh, that was the day that my first kid was born. Oh, okay. You know, so, but, uh, you know, and he eventually became an infantryman. He's a, he's a police officer in Amarillo now, but, um, you know, it, As far as, like, you know, becoming an infantryman, you know, I mean, to me, you know, the infantry, we catch a lot of crap because we do, we walk around with a sense of arrogance, you know, uh, not, not entitlement, but, you know, like, kind of like we're better than everybody else, and, you know. Yeah, but
0: it's only, it's only before you get to a person that is more badass than you. Right, you know, like, if you,
1: you you know, if if you're... If you're in a ranger battalion, or if you're part of a group, you know, or part of a, a tier one team, you know. But as far as like just basic ground pounding infantry, I mean, well, see, because in, r- normal grunts like myself, yeah, you know, we call them big army, you know. I mean, we look at those guys with a sense of reverence, yeah. You know, I mean, rangers, yeah, they're high speed. Well, no, but, this, is, but this is a lot of them are dumb as rocks. This is
0: uh, Evan talking about when he was uh, he was in uh, the CIA. Uh, Different mm-hmm. operations and everything, and uh, they jean shirt. That's about it. Yeah. And he was uh, talking. And he was like, "What? Whatever you were going in? Yeah. Okay. Hey, can you grab a, take this pistol and put it somewhere, and hand me about five more grenades? Because if anything pops off, we're, I'm gonna need those. And just everybody just shit in their pants. And it's one of those things. It's uh, I, it took me a while to get it to where, you know, you shouldn't put everybody to a pedestal. Yeah. Because if you do that, uh, when they make a mistake or something, just you don't go under the purpose of the Well, lies. see, and, and that's when it comes,
1: you know, the responsibility of that particular individual to kind
0: of just exactly to pull you to the
1: side. You know, it's like, look, I still put my pants on one leg at a time. I'm human. I'm subject to, to, to mistakes. God designed me that way. I just have a lot more training than you do to be able to respond to that you know, exactly. to that mistake better, you know, but you know, I mean we, you know, we're, here we are, we're, I mean we're fresh out of basic, fresh out of airborne school, and we see this Ranger. You know, we see guys with their long tabs, you know, the special forces tabs. Uh, you know, we see guys walking around wearing beards and you know, we are just like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. And we just kind of like we want to be like those guys when we grow up, you know. But you know, cuz we we had you know, at that point, we really had no kind of point of reference. You know, we just knew that these guys had been in; they'd seen some things. They get to play with the cool toys, you know. Oh but, yeah. You know, you know, and and I had stated earlier. I said, you know, when I when I joined up, I wanted to be in the eighty second. You know, because that's that's to me that was supposed to be like it. You know, but for whatever reason, God, and the army thought that I needed to be at the hundred first. And I'm telling you to this day. That is the best place. I mean, I am thankful that I got to be a part of the Screaming Eagles. You know, I mean, then that's something that I'm going to be laying on my deathbed years down the road. Nobody's going to ever be able to take that away from me. You know, I I was, you know, I got I got I got I got to work with the best group of the, de, the of degenerates that I've ever <laughs> had the pleasure of meeting in my entire life. Um, I'm still really great friends with a lot of those guys, you know. Um, You know, one of my buddies, uh, Mikey Lopez, I mean, he's like literally a brother from another mother. Um, And, uh, you know, guys like Joel Pickowitz, you know, um, Sean Franklin, uh, Chris Wells, he was one of my roommates when I was in the barracks. I, I mean, just solid individuals. And we understand that we're all getting older, but like if you give us a case of beer and unlimited supply of ammo and tell us to go do something, we're going to fuck somebody's day (laughs) up Just because it's like, hey, we're going to get to go play, you know. But, you know, I mean, we're all older. We've all got kids. Uh, Some of us have grandkids. Looking at you, Mikey. Um, You know, but it's, you know, it's, I I I wouldn't trade a, a, a single day you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give anything in the world to to, to do that. I, I mean, I would do it over in a heartbeat. But I wouldn't trade a single day of it, even on the days when the job sucked. You know, and you were like, "Fuck!" I just, you know, want to get out. You know, I'm going to reclass. Screw this. Those days, like some, those sometimes those were the best days. You know, because I mean, you just you get those those really cool ass memories. You know, where you know it's like we we had a guy. He <laughs> he he went naturally bald by the time he was like 19, 20 years old. Cause his oh, wife just up and left him one day. And so, I mean, he just, he stopped caring about modesty. He would shit with the door open, you know, you try to bring a girl into the barracks.
0: Well, and, that's a power move. Well, like, yeah, <laughs>
1: you know, but like, you know, we're out in the woods and he's like, I got to take a shit. I'm like, we don't care. So just go out and dig a hole, you know? And there, you know, where we were at a lot of the, 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 the drop zones and LZs that, that, ordered the training area of the grasses would be allowed to grow really tall and that we would let the civilian farmers or ranchers come on and harvest that stuff to feed their their livestock it was kind of a trade-off because they had to listen to you know gunfights all the time you know at yeah. night especially but um you know he's out there in the tall grass and he's bald so he's got that shiny ass head just bobbing up and down and it disappears and we're like ah, well he's now nice he's taking a squat well, a couple minutes later, we just hear this helicopter coming in. And we're like, where the hell is that coming from? And then this Apache sits there, just hovers right above us. And it blows all the grass in the drop zone down. And so, I mean, you see this dude squatting, his ass hanging out. He looks up and he waves. And and we're just dying at this point. And it was the gunner, the guy that sits in the, in the front yeah right he leans over and we can kind of sort of see a little bit we're looking up and, and you know those old fun saver cameras mm-hmm. he f- shows us and he, we see the camera flash the flash bulb go off in the cockpit and then the bird just takes off it yeah. just hauls ass down the road <laughs> we, we were like did that just happen because that was fucking awesome this dude's coming back and he is, he is hell. we were laughing and we're laughing at him because he's so pissed. We're laughing at what happened. I mean, just the whole thing was hilarious. I mean, we're dying inside. I mean, our sides hurt, faces hurt. I mean I mean dudes are starting to run out of breath. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you can't make this shit up, you know? And and it wasn't so much the fact that the that they that they, they, they exposed him is that the rotor wash pushed one of his turds off target. So Oh
0: my it, god. One of his
1: turds hit the side of his boot. And he's like, "fucking assholes," you know. So we're like, you know, that's hilarious. We were laughing our asses off, and he was so beside himself. He had to go like walk down the road for. A few <laughs> and we were just like, "Wow, what the hell?" You know. I mean, but oh
0: my god! But
1: it's moments like it's it's moments like that that you know you gotta look back on, and you know you're like, did it affect anything on the grand scheme of the way that the world works? No, but. I'll be damned if like that is not one of the moments that just kind of sticks out in your brain, and you know you're just like I, I I got to be there for that you know and you got to see some cool stuff you know
0: yeah well that was the same thing with my job I mean I was just basically a cook or I did fitness or something like that or lodging mm-hmm. but what a lot of people don't understand is I have to do basically I'm a morale person yeah uh, get everybody up and everything like that but. I had to do a USO show, so I met a lot of famous people.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, uh, I was like Jay Leno, Cedric the Entertainer, Dwight Yokel. Uh, Yoakam, Yoakam, Yeah. Uh, Chris Isaac, <laughs> Drew Carey. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing with Drew Carey was I had a we had to go pick him up uh, from the Navy base and take him to the airport, and he was just telling all the stories when he was in the military.
1: Yeah, and how he, instructor
0: for the Marines. Yeah, and he also had to do uh, jumps, and he racked himself like two times in one jump because of the butt of the uh, yeah. M-16 came out of his uh, nuts, and then he was on the ground, and it did it again. Oh, God. <coughs> oh. Well, the thing, is, the thing is, is, as soon as we get to the airport, and this is, uh, I also met Wayne Newton, and that dude's a dick.
1: Hands I, down, yeah. Dick. I, I would, I would. Have I almost sure.
0: punched him because he was yelling at Drew Carey, and I just, became I was like, "Dude, I'll fucking punch him right now if you need me to punch him." It's like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll just deal with it. And they just left. But I'm, I'm at the uh, uh, second string cheerleaders for uh, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the uh, wrestlers for doing. Uh, uh, didn't they do like a live raw show overseas? Uh, yeah. Yes, we didn't have that. We had well, I had to do one for uh, uh, Abilene. I mean Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, uh, Undertaker. Uh, he just he just retired. Yeah, yeah. And he was telling a story on Joe Rogan that my God, much as much as you hear about uh, that is like extreme. Fuck your body, sport. Yeah, I mean, is as uh, much uh, damage they do. I was gonna meet Jake the Snake Roberts, but uh, the time frame was he was he was back on uh, cocaine and everything like yeah. that. So I was uh, talking with uh, Atlas because we were building a ring uh, in our uh, fitness facility and everything else, and I was there to help him out because I don't have else better to do with my life because I, I was single. Right, yeah. So I was like... I was I was just meeting. I was like, hey, I heard Jake the Snake of the Robbers here. And I, I was, I'm still terrified of fucking snakes. And I was terrified of him. I was like, Jake the Snake is not going to be here, right? He's like, uh, no, he's... he's uh, always he on cocaine again? And I was like, y- yeah, you know about that? And he was like, yeah. But nicest, no, sweetest people. Yeah. Uh, and it just... I met a lot of people from Russia because uh, Dias was in a uh, nuclear base for the longest time and they had to get rid of the nukes and everything, but uh, Russian diplomats had to come in there. And, God, I'll tell you one thing, don't fucking t- uh, drink potato bo- vodka. <laughs> oh my God, the <laughs> worst hangover I've ever had. Yeah? It, it's almost as bad as moonshine a little bit worse. I mean like the real moonshine, not the Yeah, no, not the stuff you buy on the shelf, yeah. Yeah. But but I'm I'm it's, it's actually just having people go up and like a person that oh, I know the world because I read it in books compared to a person that's went around the world and everything. Mm-hmm. And I met some fantastic people. I met some really strange people. Some people that I just want to throw underneath a bus.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all all those categories. E. All of the above. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. Um, now I'm not to say in that you know everybody that I've come in contact with in the military that you know I'd want to no. go have a beer with. No, I mean there are some guys that you definitely just like. You wouldn't be, you know. No, I'm not even going to say that. I was going to say, you know, it wouldn't be sad if they got fragged, but I mean, you, you don't, you, you don't want to. If he vanished off a cliff, you're like, oh, yeah, he's if they, gone. If they, if, they, if they went awol, you know, nobody would miss them, you know. But um, but it's like, you know, for the most part, it was just one of those. You really, really had. I really just had just an overwhelmingly positive experience, you yeah. know. Now, is the infantry for everybody? No, absolutely not,
0: but um You didn't you didn't pull what my brother in law pulled when he was doing exercises though. He screamed out uh, uh he was about to go they were about to attack the opposing uh other no, side. Out for you. Yeah. Guess what he screamed out?
1: Oh, tell me he did the Leroy Jenkins. Nope. No. Fix bayonets. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, we we would always joke about that though. We were like, you know, how cool would it be? We're like, fucker, we are in the field. You know? <laughs> it's like, no. Um, the only time that we heard fixed bayonets was when we were about to do pass and review because, you know, every year we have a thing called Weekly Eagles. Okay. And uh, you get the entire damn division out on one parade field. Some hard ass decided that they wanted, to, they would look cool as shit to have bayonets fixed. You know, it's like, you know how they say that when you know that you you get cut worse with a dull knife. Yeah, yeah, it's completely true. You know, because we're like we never use the bayonets. You know, we we never did. You know, so it's like, what's the point of sharpening them? You know, it's like we started sharpening them after this, but um, well, weren't supposed to, but we did anyway. Anyways, um, somebody locked their damn knees, passed out, oh fell my- forward. And they, the guy in front of him they cut. I mean, they just shredded his uniform from, from shoulder to calf. So, you know, that guy oh, had to get shit. stitches all the way up. Uh, the other guy, like, they hauled him off. <laughs> like, dude, d- d- did you just lock your knees? Medic, you know. It's like, come on. You know, so, I mean, it. And, but it was like, yeah, okay, so now we have to sign out our bayonets.
0: But they're staying in their scabbards. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they're staying on your belts that's one thing it it confuses me a lot is when something goes wrong everybody has to pay for it that was a, that was one thing in the military didn't understand well okay
1: so it, it it forces accountability
0: yeah you know so you know
1: and instead of making it an individual thing because you know how they say that there's no such thing as individual, individuality in the military
0: yeah yeah unless I mean, unless you're and, and, unless
1: you're the one that's screwing up in the drill sergeant or your NCLs are like come here you you know but it's like to me, it's like, you know, the um you know the the group punishment really it it forces that that cohesion dynamic to really come to head. You know, it's like, okay Now you've got leaders and you've got battle buddies that have to come alongside your weakest link and you have to bring that person up to up to up to par. Yeah. You know, it's like look, either you you're going to pull your head out of your ass or we're going to do it for you, you know? And, you know, so whereas if you've got your peers coming alongside of you and they're showing you, hey, look, we've got a better comprehension of the task that's at hand. Here's what we're doing to get this done. You find that you you retain a lot more information when you receive that information from your peers versus... You know, I mean, because everybody learns differently, you know, like me, I'm a hands-on guy, you know, I mean, you can, you can walk me through on something how to do it once, but then I just have to play with it, you know, and, you know, and it's like, it's like when you get that introduction on how to break down your M16 or your M4, it's like, you know, you get this big, big diagram up there about the bolt carrier group and the firing pin and, you know, uh, the extractor, and I mean, you get all, I mean, all of this, right, you get your hand guards, your slip ring, all that it's like, yeah, that's great. You can show me, but like, let me get my
0: hands on because you know I can build that muscle memory. To this day, I don't, I don't know any. I know, I know everything about my gun on how it works and everything. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me, it's like, hey, what's this called? I, don't know. I have no knowledge of what's what. Yeah, but I bet you could still break it down blindfolded, though. Yeah. No.
1: Well don't I feel overachieving I, now?
0: you probably are because man, I can break I can break it down. Yeah. But I can't like break it down. Like take off the uh uh gas valve. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm
1: I'm talking about your basic field level maintenance style breakdown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can do that blindfolded. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about your armor or levels type stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 no, yeah. No, 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 no. You know, it's like, not unless this thing is sitting in a vice and I and, and, and I can physically hold my hand over the springs, you know. No, I'm
0: not. Well, I can still, well, I can take the back spring off and everything like that. You just gotta, uh, you just gotta make sure when it pops out to be yeah. out of the way. You know, I'm like,
1: it's, you know, it's like whenever we would take apart the 50, it was like, you always had to make sure that the bolt was forward. Because the buffer spring... In, in a 50, if it's compressed, it'll go through your hand.
0: Holy shit. Yeah.
1: You know, because, I mean, you can't take that back plate off unless your bolt's forward. And we had a guy try to do that. He pulled that back plate off, and when he went to go hit that spring, that sucker stuck in a cinder block wall. I mean, luckily, it did Dude. not go through his hand because he got his, his he doing it like this, and it just, you know, passed through in between here. But it, I mean, it's stuck into a cinder block wall. Oh wow! You know he got his ass reamed out for it. Statement, oh yeah, I would I would be screaming. Statement scrambled. of charges yeah. follows shortly thereafter. But yeah. you know, and your new buffer spring and you know uh, 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 buffer spring guide rod. But it's like you know, but as far as like group punishment versus individual punishment, you know, I I believe in the group punishment to a degree, um, but I mean when, once you get to a certain point. Like in your career, you know, when you get to your unit, it's fine to group punish for a little bit, but after a certain point, as 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 a leader, as an NCO, whether you're a corporal or whatever, it doesn't matter, or even if you're a specialist filling that slot, you know, it's like you got to pull that soldier off to the side, you know, you admonish in private, you, pr- you praise in public, you know, it's like because I mean, it, you you call somebody out on a consistent basis. You chew somebody's ass in front of their peers, you're going to lose respect to that soldier, you know, and and it's not some kind of a snowflake mentality, it's like, pull them off to the side, I mean, if if you're doing your job and properly chewing somebody's ass, people are going to hear you anyway, but don't do that in front of everybody.
0: Yeah, that was one thing when I was working for is that we were always told, if you have to chew out another officer, make sure the inmates aren't going to see it, because... They will lose respect for the person that's getting yelled at. Exactly. And think they can get they can get away with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like um, with our platoon leader, um, I well, He he
1: died in Iraq. So I mean, I, you know, I, he was the guy that we all wanted to be when we grew up. He was a father to guys who didn't know their dads. He was a second dad to a lot of us that still had ours. Um. He he, he was prior enlisted, so he knew what was up. And he would, you know, pull you off to the side. It's like, hey, what's going on here? You know, and I mean, but when it got to the point where he had to pull you aside as a lieutenant, you know, the NCOs were obviously involved in, in, in that conversation. But you know, he, he was very approachable and he was, I mean, he knew what it meant to be a good, you know, a good leader. You know, um, he followed the three M's men mission myself. You know, you take care of your guys, they'll take care of the mission, then you can worry about yourself later. You know, it's like, you give up the last pair of dry socks because your guys are either sweating profusely or they've just gone through all of their socks. It's not that you fucked up as a leader and didn't do your pre-patrol you know, pre or pre-combat inspections to make sure that they had all their shit. Yeah, some people just need a little bit of extra. Yeah, I mean, some guys just need extra socks. They're like, okay, look, this is my last clean pair of socks. I'm going to put them on your feet. I can figure it out on my own, but next time... You need a pack extra, you know, kind of a thing. And you, you, you know, you make those adjustments. But you, as far as like group punishment versus individual, you know, at a certain point, it does need to become individual. You pull that guy aside, you pull him behind a closed door and be like, look, you are screwing the pooch here. And I need to know what's going on. What do we need to do differently as a leader to make sure that you get your head out of your ass so that way, you know, the attention to detail that you're putting into it is the same on par with everybody else? So that way, when bullets start coming back at us, we don't fucking get killed, you know, or, you know, you don't get hurt or you get somebody else hurt, you know, because we we, we all have to rely on each other, especially in the infantry. Um, you know, and it's, you know, uh, you know we start talking about the, that toxic leadership culture and you start to see a lot of these leaders that are in the Army now try to get away from that. You know, they, you see a lot of these guys like on TikTok, like uh, Dirty Bird Fitness, he's a first sergeant uh, with an infantry unit over there at the 82nd, um, infantry guru, he's a uh, command sergeant major. Or, uh, uh there's angry another Cop. Yeah, Angry Cop.
0: Uh, uh, jo- uh Josh, Pol- yeah, there's another
1: guy, um. He's in Dallas. Yeah, we, there's another guy that we, uh, that I follow, Stu West, I think his name is off the top of my head. They really, you know, they, they. They really try to personify and get out that message of getting away from the toxic leadership to you know enhance the core to you know continue fighting, you know stuff like that. But um, you know it's uh, you know so I mean it's it's good and it's it's heartening to see leaders start to embrace the proper style of leadership versus burying a guy's career under under a
0: counseling package. You know. Yeah, that's that's the reason why uh, I I didn't get kicked out, but I got kicked out. I still have an honorable just church, Right, right. But I was like my last, I'd say two years. I had just personal trouble. I mean, my mom passed away, and then uh, uh, a girl I was seeing uh, dumped my son in a trash can, and he died. And I just had a whole bunch of stuff that just roll. It, it wasn't military yeah. that was messing up. It was actually military that was actually keeping me somewhat sane. Mm-hmm. But we had a transfer of a, a first sergeant that uh, <clears throat> didn't like how, how everybody was handling me. And basically to the point where the person that killed my son... Uh, called me up, and I was supposed to have any contact with him, and I told him, I was like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to have contact, when I never had contact, and then, what it came around to, is she called me up, telling me she's going to commit suicide, so I did the uh, right thing, called my command, tell told him, hey, she called me up, she's talking about committing suicide, and I got, basically, an article 15, for talking to him, or talking to her, and then, uh, I can't go into any kind of branch. Yeah, no. It, see, to me,
1: you know, if you're doing the step, if you're taking the steps to try to, to, to do things properly, yeah. you know, because, I mean, they can try to lay out conditions in stone, right there, black and white, put it on paper kind of a situation. But, was it, Murphy's Law of Combat says that uh, no plan survives the first contact intact. I mean, you're always going to run into those fluid situations where it's like, you've got to make a judgment call. And it's like, look, you know, uh, call, hey, I'm going to kill myself. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Hang up the phone? You know, it's like...
0: Yeah, most of the people that get in that kind of situation get the uh, worst day award.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm going to kill myself. Well, uh, cool story, bro. You know, click, you know. It's like, you don't want to be that guy because if that person does go through with it, yeah. you know, you... Well, he contacted them. me and everything yeah. like that. You know, but... You, you you went out of your way and you contacted your chain of command you did what you were supposed yeah. to do and then they still handled it that way to me that that's part of that toxic culture that we needed to get away from and we still need to get away from um, you know like my my, uh, my oldest son he, he had one of those guys you know that you know it's like because my, my son not the best runner in the world Hand, I mean nothing taken away from him excellent soldier he's a great cop just he's not one of the fastest people in the world, yeah. you know. Um, he's not Jesse Owens. No, not not Jesse Owens by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> not, not a Will and Rudolph, none of that. But, but I mean, as far as like everything else, technically and tactically, great
0: soldier, great. Yeah, soldier, and that's what a lot know? of people don't understand but, is putting yeah. people in the right position. Where, yeah, and it's like where, okay,
1: you know, and and part of that, you know, part of that toxic culture was that you could be a shit bag everywhere else but my god if you could score high on your PT test you gotta be doing something right nobody gives a shit yeah. it's like okay he's busting his ass he can shoot he can move he, communi- you know, communicate. he can communicate he can disseminate information he's tactically and technically professional or proficient at his job and he is he's trying to make moves in his career to advance himself to better himself to further the mission you know But if you can't run, oh God, you know you just you know might as well just be a shitbag and hang it up. And it's like, and you know, so instead of this this particular NCO coming alongside of him and going, hey, look, what do I need to do to help you out, you know? Instead of looking at it from the outside saying, okay, he's a great soldier here, he just lacks in his run a little bit. What do we need to do to figure this out? You know, he didn't do that. This guy came in, started berating, started yelling, started, you know, started just down, you know, just talking down and just basically kind of took all the motivation for wanting to stay in out of out of the equation. Um, You know, it's like bury you under, you know, counseling statements and paperwork. It's like, what point? What point does that serve to, to make? You know, it's like you're 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 not being an instructor at that point. You're not being a guide. You're not you're not being a leader. You're just being an administrative asshole. It's like you might as well just reclass and become an S one. You know, go work in a pack office somewhere. You know, and and if you if you wanna if you wanna hand out paperwork and make sure everything's done grammatically you know, you know everything's done in triplicate, reclass and go do something else, because obviously you're not here to advance the mission. You're here just to be a prick. And it's either, you know, they either get dominated at home by their wife and they have to sign for their balls every morning before they go to work, or, you know, they got got they got their asses kicked when they were a kid and they felt that now that they've got the, the chance to return that on somebody they're going to. You know, or they just, they, they got piss poor training from somebody who was a complete waste of skin you know yeah but you know we we're, we're starting to see it now more and more where that that toxic leadership trait cycle is being broken and we're starting to get back to you know what it means to train and and retain soldiers and you know Marines and sailors you know and it's like you know and, and not to throw anybody politically under the bus you know it's but it's like it started back in Clinton Army, even you know, became a little bit more prevalent during you know Bush's terms. And especially during the Obama administration, it just political correctness just running amok. And it just it took the military from being the military, the fiercest fighting force on the planet, into a, an ice cream
0: social group who was more worried about optics. Or even to the point where uh, if you had to be shot at before you shoot back. Yeah, I mean,
1: officers and NCOs became more worried about their evaluation reports than they did the welfare of their soldiers and the effectiveness of the fighting force. Well,
0: that was more or less the Obama administration because of... Uh, w- what happened was, is he wanted to make sure that we were killing the people that were supposed to be ki- uh, being killed. It got to the point where they had to have, like, a 15-page document if someone ended up shooting somebody.
1: Yeah, see, you know, when, whenever they suggested the idea that we were going to have to start reading Miranda rights to people on the battlefield outside of the United States, we might as well have just went ahead and packed it up and went home because you give a guy who's trying to bury bombs under a road or strap explosives to a civilian rights. They're going to lawyer up. And you're going to always get that scum-of-the-earth lawyer. You know, we've got a few of them here in town. I'm not going to mention any names, but um, you know who I'm talking about. Um, one ended up they, going they'll, right didn't. Yeah, they'll... No, no, not that one. No, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about a her, but that's... Oh, okay, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know it's I mean you're gonna get those scum of the earth type people that they're in it for the money and they don't care who it is that they're representing or why just you know I mean you're gonna you're gonna get you know I mean they're gonna represent the, the you know the, the the rapists, murderers and child molesters of the world and they're gonna make them look like they're saints you know and it's like we you know you don't give, you don't, you don't give our combatant, you know, enemy combatants, um, you know, civilian rights. It's like, you shoot at me, you shoot at our guys. It's my job as a leader and my job as a soldier to kill you before you have a chance to kill me. Yeah. I mean, that is the ultimate, I mean, that's the ultimate end goal is to, you know, war is to kill more of them than they kill of us. Until, you know, you either get tired of it or you're just not around anymore. Yeah. You know, but, you know, and not, not that war should be the, the first thing. I mean, because what was it? The, the saying was back in the day was that any soldier worth their salt doesn't pray for war. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it's, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's kind of nice to be able to actually do your job, but at the same time, you don't want to have to do it just because you know,
0: what you know, what what you're capable of, you know. Yeah, most firefighters don't want fire. Fire. Yeah, yeah. You know, even though they're trained to do it, even though yeah. they don't do it that much, anyways. Right. But you know, it's
1: you know we we we, we start we start. I think that the overall effectiveness of the force is going to start enhancing, and you're going to start seeing the retention numbers start to go up if you start as the more and more we start seeing that culture of. Good solid mentorship style leadership. You know, it's okay to climb in somebody's ass every once in a while to make sure that they're keeping themselves honest. You know, because you know, I mean, we're not we're not requiring people to become best friends and buddies and like, hey, you know, come over here and, and you know, hang out at my house afterwards. I mean, we're not asking for that. It's just we're asking for a consistency. If if you're going to consistently train your soldiers a certain way, do it all that all that way all the time. Don't sit there and be like, "Oh, well, somebody's watching, and it's time for my OER or my NCOER. Well, I'm going to, you know, really kind of, you know, uh, try to score points here because I'm, I'm I'm trying to fill a quota for paperwork." You know, like, you know what? Screw paperwork. You know, take soldiers back in the wood line. smoke the dog shit out of them. You're 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 giving them an opportunity to be better. Physically, you know, it's like, hey, look, I'm just going to help you pass your next PT test. Let's just put it that way. Um, you're going to give that soldier, marine, or airman reason to pause and be like, "Yeah, my arms, and my legs, and my I was sore for like a couple of days the last time I did this. Yeah, I'm not going to do it that way, you know." And 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 it's not that you're just standing over them while they're while while you're smoking them. I mean, you're giving them. Instruction, You know, you're imploring, imparting upon them how they can be doing something better and why they're getting smoked now. It's like, here's why and how you fucked up and here's how you can prevent this in the future. You know, but I mean, so there's, there's ways to do that. You know, I mean, you you go old school, but then you can still be kind of new school in the sense that, you know, it's kind of like how they talk about the Great Commission. You know, it's like, we're supposed to win over... Souls for you know new souls for the kingdom of God. Yeah, you know, it's like you can't do that strictly with the red book of hymns, you know, or hymns, and you know expect this generation of people to come into the church and stay there. You, you, the message has to evolve to stay relevant. Yeah, you know, I mean, the message needs to stay the same and it needs to stay consistent, but the delivery, uh, the device of delivery, needs to evolve. You know, but you you can you can be proactive in. You know, adapting to the situations uh, by learning about your people, learning about your environment, and you know, figuring out ways to be more effective that way. Because, I mean, it's just like when you get into a firefight. If you approach a firefight the same way every time, every time the enemy is going to pick up on those tells, and they're going to figure out a way to work around it. You know, basically changing their tactics. Yeah, they're going to change their tactics. I mean, you need to be you need to be fluid, and you need to be able to change yours as well. And that's adaptable to everything, you know, that, that old saying, attention to detail and a lack of it will get you killed in combat, that, that's applicable to a civilian life, you know, I mean, you need to pay attention to what's going on around you, situational awareness can and will save your day, and it'll, you know, more times than not, pull your ass out of a, out of a hot spot, you know, because, you know, people are going to pick up on little things, and they're going to, you know, people, let's be honest, for the most part, people suck, you know. And, and unless they feel like they're going to get something out of it, a lot of times they're just going to be complete pricks. And that's just because they've grown up in this culture that you need to be savage, you need to be salty, and you need to be woke. And it's like, one, to me, just saying that somebody's woke just sounds ignorant. But, you know, it's like, what is woke?
0: You know. <laughs> well, most of the time, I was like... Uh... Going in as a correctional officer, going in each and every day, you see a person that's usually just happy, 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 happy. And then an inmate comes up to you it's like, let me in my thing. I, don't, I was like, well, what happened? Well, I tried to call my, my ex-wife or I called, tried to call my kids and everything. They wouldn't pick up and everything. I was like, well, I'll tell you what to do. Uh, what time frame do you need to call and everything? I was like, well, I need to talk I was like, all right, I'll give you that. If it comes around to where you have to talk to your wife at like 11 o'clock, come get me, I'll have you do it. I'll let the other officer do that. And my day's 100% better because that one person is like, hey, he's doing this for me. Give him a little bit of slap throughout the day. Yeah, I mean, because you're, you're you're humanizing them. Yeah, and you know you're
1: showing them that you know while you are still an immovable object, you know as a person you're coming to them and you're addressing their needs and you're 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 not so much personalizing their experience. I mean, because in your particular you know profession or former profession, I mean, you're in a correction facility, so yeah, you know they they understand why they're there, but you're you're still you know giving them. You know, they're not just a number at that point. Yeah. You know, they're just not... They're not something that just plugs into a machine. I mean, you're, you're giving them value. And, they're by, and, that, by, and that's that what education. a lot of people need,
0: yeah. especially when we're trying to uh, better a country.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: and... You know, so... And I mean, it's, it's not necessarily our country. It's the country that we're trying to... We're not invading. We're, you know, giving them a better option.
1: Yeah, you know, you, you're letting them know that even though they made a decision to do the things that they did to get there in the first place, that's not the end of the road for them. Yeah. You know, there, there is, there's a brighter spot on the other side of that wall, but you know, it, it all boils down to leadership. It all boils down to, you know, taking that time to instruct. I mean, just because you're a leader, there's a difference. My dad used to use this all the time. But there's a difference between being a boss and being bossy, you know. And I would even take it a step further. And there's there's a
0: difference between being a leader and
1: just being a prick.
0: Yeah, I had one one commander that would just yell at people and everything like that. And then I have another commander. that's like, hey, heard you're having a, a hard time because no one's uh, showing up. To uh, everybody's like sick. We yeah, had, we had a bad case of uh, flu. I was the only one that would just show up. And it, even though uh, I was sick and a dog, and I'd go in, do my job and everything like that, he actually showed up, rolled up his sleeves, and helped me out. Yeah. And I was working nights.
1: Yeah. And, and that was one thing, too, um, as it relates to uh, Captain Tipton, uh, my platoon leader. He, he'd ask you, you know, hey, we need this fighting position done. He'd go take care of what he needed to get taken care of, and he'd come back, Strip his blouse off, grab a an knee tool and he'd be filling sandbags with you. Yeah. You know, and that was one thing that I always felt was, you know, imperative as far as, you know, leadership styles, was that never ask your people to do something that you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. And I think somewhere along the line, you know, we, we started to lose that. Um, and the longer, and, and if you look back historically, you know, especially in the military, the longer that a conflict would continue, you know, you'd start to see an influx of officers just rotating in and out of certain areas. Um, maybe at the end of World War II, towards the end of the, world war, end of the war, you would see officers rotate in off of staff positions to go to forward combat positions, just so they could get that combat time on their resume. Um, you know, it would make them look better. They were just padding resumes at that point. It wasn't about the missions. And those people it wasn't are... about the soldiers.
0: And like 85% of those people are just worthless. Yeah,
1: you know. I mean, you, you would eventually, you know, every once in a while you'd find that diamond in the rough. Um, you know, that, that when they got there, it was just they were begging for that opportunity to be able to get where they felt they needed to be. And it's not because it
0: advanced their careers, because they genuinely wanted to be there. Yeah, they genuinely felt that they could make a difference. And you see that, if you ever watch the, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's on Netflix called The Liberators. Yeah, yeah. You you see you see that dynamic throughout the whole uh, uh, series of that, yeah. and that was very very good. Yeah, you know, but
1: I, I think, you know, as far as like, you know, getting back to the the intended topic for today, as far as like you know pipeline for the infantry, you know, kind of thing, it's like, you know, you see a lot of guys with blue cords or just infantry because in the uh, Marine Corps, it's like zero uh, three,
0: yeah, you know. But what's the purpose of the blue cord? I, I've I've always wondered that.
1: It, I mean,
0: it's 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 our branch insignia. It's, it's oh, our it branch is. identifier. Yeah. So, um, I thought that. Well, you get the rifle badge, and then, and then the blue cord, or no?
1: Okay, so on your lapels, you have your your branch insignias, right? Your cross rifles, yeah, right? cross rifles. Is the insignia for the for the infantry. Um, we get the blue background, the blue discs to go behind those. No, oh. I and mean, then we get to wear the infantry cord. Um, the infantry cord it goes on our right shoulder. But um, you know, because the, the infantry is, I mean, they say that it does not take a lot of intelligence to become an infantryman. You 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 have to, you got to be able to think. You know, you have to be able to use your head and you have to be able to innovate, for lack of a better term, you know, kind of on the fly. So, I mean, you have to have a degree of intelligence to, you know, fluidly think during during situations. Um, but the infantry cord is I mean, it's it's really kind of, I mean, it's. I feel bad because I feel kind of lacking here. Um, it, it really, it didn't. I think that didn't become a part of the infantry uniform until I think like the fifties, like 50, 58, I think. Don't quote me on that, but um, you know, it 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 really just became. You know, the infantry needed something to set itself apart from the rest of the uh, from the rest of the army. You know, and it really became a sense of pride. You know, like when my son went through his turning blue ceremony uh, back, oh,
0: God, I don't even remember when he graduated basic now. Um, but when he went through his basic training. I can't even pronounce the name what it's actually called. A I G U I L L E T T E. That's what it's actually called. Spin that around, let me see. My dyslexia kicked in like a heavy car. Yeah, that is definitely French.
1: <laughs> that is definitely French. No, but like with the with the infantry court itself, I mean, it, it's it's really just to signify, you know, past the branch and sing. I mean, that's just to, you know, say, hey, look.
0: You, you're absolutely right. Hold on. It. it. Yeah. Okay. But it. You know, it,
1: it, you know, you could I mean, you get like your expert infantry badge, and your combat infantry badges, you know, and, and for the longest time, we were the only only branch in the military or a branch in the army that had an award specifically for us, you know, that and you, you had your medics as well, you had your, your expert medi- medical badge, you had your.
0: Uh, it doesn't tell uh, you when yeah, that actually put
1: But, you know, it's, you know, you start like with the marine corps you know you don't have to see those combat awards you know or see something specifically designating you as an infantryman cuz every marine should be a rifleman okay you know some guy typing in a you know in the in the personal finance office is going to get out there and he's going to he's going to all of a sudden be some kind of a hard ass um, yeah i get the premise behind it but you know the infantry dedicates their, particular, I mean, they're dedicated to a specific mission. It's almost like a ball player, like a baseball player. Like, you take a baseball player, put him in any other sport, and nine times out of ten, he'll compete. But you take an athlete from any other sport and try to give a bat, you know, put a bat in their hand and tell them to hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, a lot of them aren't going to be able to do it, Yeah. you know. Same thing kind of applies to the infantry, you know, and I know that you're going to catch a lot of shit for it. You. You're going to hear a lot of these people sending you messages and, They're going to look me up, and they're going to be like, what the fuck are you doing, you know? But, you know, you're going to, you know, the same thing with the infantry. You put an infantryman in any other job in the military, and then we'll be able to figure it out. But you you take, you know, take a guy from any other MOS, and you put them in an infantry role, and it's just basically due to the rigors uh, of the infantry, whether it be light infantry, mobile infantry, mechanized infantry, there's going to be a lot of, you know, except for the calf Scouts, don't, don't at me, but like, calf Scouts, they're, they're, they, they we're basically infantry, shut up, no you're not. What's a calf Scout? They, they, <laughs> they uh, you know, ride around Bradleys and stuff like that, you know, and like, it, they're, uh, I think it's like 19 Deltas, they're MOS, so I know it's like a 19 something, but. They'll sit there and talk about how they're basically infantry. I'm like, no, no, you're not. You're you're basically just not. Not. You see a lot of these TikTok videos, you know, it's like making fun of Cav Scouts and they're like, oh, okay, you know, it's like yeah. that's just kind of it's it's a joke. But but seriously, they're they're not infantry at all. If you're a Cav Scout, fight me. I dare you. You know, you ask any other infantryman that you come across, it's like so as cab, basically infantry, they will look at you and then you physically see them having to restrain themselves from whipping your ass.
0: Oh, wow. You know, I mean, because it's a sort well, of... Well, that's, that's kind of... It's a pe- source of pride at that point, you know, but... Yeah, it's basically someone saying, it's like, oh, we're going to go to the chow hole, and if it's on the Air Force base, it's like, no, it's a tiny facility. Right, you get a grunt like me and
1: you put us in an Air Force defect, you know, and we're going to be like... Yeah, I've, I've where's, every... Where's the lobster rolls at? You know, it's like, yeah. you guys, really? Your seats have cushions in them? Yeah. What the fuck, you know? I mean, it's, it would be like walking into a into a five-star Hilton hotel, you know, and it's like, you
0: are a dirty grunt. Get away from my table, you know? Like, I had, like, I, I, the only the only funny story with uh, any other branch I had was when I was actually uh, first going in the lawn and doing, uh, doing, <laughs> doing my work. Is I was uh, making uh, eggs for some uh, uh, for uh, morning chow, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and this Marine keeps on coming in each and every day, and he was the hands down Marine going, "Thank you, sir." What's up? <laughs> Thank you, sir. Every day right. for like a week, <laughs> I was like, "Dude, I'm supposed to be like morale boost here and everything like that." Why don't you smile? His fucking reaction and my reaction afterwards was—he laughed his ass off. He's like, he was like, I'm I'm really only smiles when uh, when facing combat. That's the only time we're allowed to smile, sir. I was like, well, we can go on the back. I don't care. He was like, he he was like, oh, that's a good one. And he just walks off, and he comes right. back after he eats and everything. He's like, man. You, you, I, I figured that you're, you're just going to like chomp now. I was like, dude, I come from Texas. I yeah. get that every day. You know, I mean, and, and
1: you'll get those guys that are just so indoctrinated. You know, oh. It's like, here I'm supposed to be lean, cl- you know, lean, mean. Cl- I had, I had
0: cut, a guy in my uh, boot camp. He told, he told the TI after we're, we're this is the end of uh, our boot camp. He's like, they were last, was like, what do you hope to get from this? Me, I was like, well, I hope to, afterwards I get in a, uh. Use my GI bill to get a good education, and he just goes. I was like, I have to die for my country. I'm like, what the fuck? I chose a career field where I don't have to see combat, even though I ended up seeing combat, which is stupid ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, going up to cook and they're t- and you're telling us like, what did you do in the air force? Well, I was a I was a cook. Oh, so you're not? And it was like, you didn't even see combat. I was like, no, I saw it twice. And it was on. It was, it was just a fuck show. <laughs> right? you know, you're going to get, you are be like, I've been around the world
1: numerous times. I've seen two world fairs in Omaha. I've even seen goat shows down in Tijuana. I ain't never seen nothing as fucked up as this place. You know? Yeah. But it's like, you know, I mean, you're going to run into your cluster fucks. You're going to, you're going to run into those guys that are just. I mean, they are eight up from the floor up, and that's fine. You're gonna always get that. I mean, if you if you if you went your entire career and all you saw was high speed, low drag, you're gonna have a hard ass time in life because
0: you've yeah. set that bar incredibly high for everybody exactly. else. You know, so, well, I was even even when I was because uh, we had this whole facility, uh, it was basically a, a hangar, but it was just for a helicopter. And yeah. we had a bunch of uh, bedding in there. Mm-hmm. My job at the time was to take the bedding, figure out what was serviceable, and put it in a pile to have it trashed out. Yeah. Air Force reality of uh, serviceable and Marine Corps serviceable, totally different ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've had stuff. I had stuff that all it was was a frame. That that was it. I was like, well, and it was a bent up frame. I was like, well, okay. Put it here. And I had a freaking major come up to me from the Marine Corps. like, what's this pop? I was like, well, those are the unserviceable ones. And then he was like, what do you mean, unserviceable? I was like, uh, we're going to trash them and get new ones. Air Force money, get new ones. Yeah. And he was like, put them back. I was like, uh, sir, uh, talk to my command. Uh, and luckily, luckily, I was one of those spots to where I did not care if he yelled at me, and he was he was yelling at me. I was like, uh, "Sir, you can talk to my command, and he can tell me to take those and put them back. You're not in charge of me, right. sir." Yeah, I hate to tell you that right now.
1: Yeah, and I mean you're going to run into those people that just refuse to stay in their lane. Yeah,
0: you and it, it, he came back around, and uh, after I put them all up and everything, it's like, and he was the nicest person after that. When we got along.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I always found that initially, you know, you get those guys that they, they come across as just hard ass. Or they just
0: had a bad day that day. Yeah,
1: you know, it's like uh, dog shit on their boot when they, you know, <laughs> something. It's like Rover took a shit on the toe of my freshly shined boots and I didn't realize it until I went to come in this morning. It was like okay, all right, so get it out of your system. You know, it's like, they they, they get, you know, but a lot of that, you'll, you'll find a lot of that, especially with the camaraderie, you know, these yeah. three core. Um the, 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 the tighter the cohesiveness of a unit on any level, whether it be a fire team on, on up all the way to a company or even sometimes battalion level, you know, um, that if somebody's coming in and they're just having just shit-tastic morning. No, They'll God. grouse and gripe and bitch. Okay, well, you know. Are you done? I'm going to make fun of you. You know, it's like, I'm going to give you shit just for being in a bad mood. You know, it's like, well, who the fuck pissed in your weeds this morning?
0: Or you pull out a uh, box of tampons.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like, we'd always, we'd always tell each other, like, hey, somebody go get this guy a tube of Vagisil so he can clear up that fucking drip this morning. Yeah. You know? And we could be crass like that, you know, or crass like that because, I mean, we were grunts. You know, and this is before everybody, you can't say that. And you're like, well, the only time you'd hear you can't say that is when there was a female officer, you know, some, there was a female soldier in the area or there was a spouse. Yeah. And do not let anybody tell you spouses, sometimes mm-hmm. their mouth, I mean, their length, dude, they have bigger potty mouths than the soldiers themselves. Yeah. You know,
0: um, and they say, I've, I've, i talked to a spouse one time. I was like, Jesus Christ, would you shut up? Way, this is really way worse. This is really, I'm, I'm, I got virgin ears. Just stop. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm a virgin. You know, like, you know, it, but it's like, and you just cringe. down. I was like, that's not even possible. Let me call uh, it. Yeah. It. You know, you know, it's or like, or you call a cop and you find out that, Hey, is this sexual position illegal? Yeah, it's like oh, that's illegal in this state, you know.
1: Like that's punishable (laughs) under the UCMJ, you know. But it's like it's like (laughs) holy shit, you know. But I mean, you know, and that was one of the one of the benefits of one of the many benefits of being infantry is the fact that you know we were just able to be just absolute barbarians with each other. Yeah, you know, both physically, you know, verbally. You know we'd just give each other ten shades of hell but we understood that it was it was there was a commonality with us it was like okay you give me shit I'll give you shit but the second anybody outside of our little our, our little group they yeah. gave, gave you crap we'd go to toe for you you know um, our platoon offices ran first platoon through fifth platoon all the way down to the back door and uh, one of our guys I forget who it was um, was walking to go outside. And you just see this, this arm, reach out of the third platoon office and grab our guy and just pull him in. And our, our our offices are probably about as wide as the end of your table to the wall. Yeah. And about as deep as our room is wide here. Oh wow. Um, so there's not a lot of room. It's like a overglorified yeah. fucking phone booth, right? Yeah. I mean, jail cells with more f- square footage, but yeah. Um. But uh, they just yanked them into the into into their office, shut the door, and just started beating the crap out of them.
0: Oh, shit.
1: You know, so, I mean, you just hear this, first platoon, where are you at? You know, and so we just, two platoons worth of dudes, just in one little space, just fighting it out. I mean, we're not, like, slugging the shit out of each other and drawing blood. I mean, we're just, we're just grappling and just throwing elbows, you know, and,
0: Just basically horseplay. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's just over glorified horseplay. I mean, we're talking to the point where it's like you'd almost expect J.R. Ross to be out there going, it's a slobber knocker, you know. And you hear Jerry King Lawler on the side going, oh, my God. (laughs) First Sergeant comes in and he's like, what the hell's going on here? Y'all think y'all got a bunch of fucking energy now. I got y'all asses. So we had two platoons out there, out back. You know, it's the end of the damn day. You know, we're out there half right face, we're out there trying to, you know, he's, first arm's out there trying to smoke us. Yeah. You know, and we, we do not care. You know, we we're laughing at the first arm, you know, and it was the point first, first arm was just like, you know what, fuck it, get up, you know, assume the position of attention. And he's like, y'all got so much damn energy, you know, fucking do some more PT in the morning, you know, so I mean, you know, we we had that, you know, it's like, we could sit there and give each other crap all the time in the barracks, and somebody from another unit come around. It doesn't matter. I mean, when we were in the barracks, it was a different dynamic. When we were, we were the Delta Company guys. You know, yeah. it's like we give each other shit all the time. Um, you know, occasionally some pushing matches, maybe a couple fistfights break out, but you know, nothing really escalated too far because we were all there to break each other up. Yeah. You get somebody from Charlie Company or Bravo Company. We had some of these guys from Alpha Company come across one night, and uh, they just started talking shit. And uh, one one of our guys had way too much to drink. And uh, <laughs> remember those old uh, Brutus glasses? Like you get a Red Lobster or yeah. Applebee's. Yeah. Well, we had we had a, we had acquired. You never steal anything in the military. You procure or, or acquire.
0: No. Uh... Reacquisition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. But, uh... I had to use that term a lot.
1: He had one full of what he called a Bloody Mary, which had just enough tomato juice to tint the vodka paint. <laughs> and he threw this thing a full glass from the third floor.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And just, it shattered in front of this guy. you know, and all because he offended him, he was like, he was like, you know, why don't you come up in here and have a drink with us? And he's like, I don't want to fucking drink with you guys. And he's like... And so, in, in this guy's a mind, he heard, well, you're not good enough for me to drink with. Yeah. You know, so we were just like, whoa, hold the <laughs> guy. Because, I mean, he was making his way down the stairs, and he was going to kick this guy's ass. And he was going to rip his head off and crap down his neck. And we had to we had to break it up. You know, yeah. we're like, oh, Lou, 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 hold up. You know, we, we talked to this guy, and he's like, this guy's just like, what the hell just happened? We're like, dude, it would be in your best interest if you just come up and have a beer. Just one beer, that's all we want. You know, he's like, oh, okay. He ended up being a halfway decent guy. It's just, you know, you know, just you're an outside person, you know. So, I mean.